Thank you for subscribing to the weekly sermons of Crossfire YC. We are the Youth Church of Crossfire World Outreach Ministries located in Springfield, Oregon. This podcast is updated weekly. How many of you guys that raised your hand remember seeing Top Gun in theaters? Anybody? Woohoo! Danny in the back. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I was six years old when this film came out. I don't really remember seeing it in the theaters, even though my parents say I did, and ever since then I wanted to be a pilot. But um, I I remember seeing this at the drive-in when I was about 11 years old. Uh, In in my house, uh, when I was growing up, my parents, they were like these really crazy cultic Christians. Anybody got any crazy cultic Christian parents in this place? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. My parents were these crazy cultic Christians. Um, They didn't allow TV and VCRs and all that stuff in their house because I thought He-Man was more powerful than Jesus Christ. So my mom got rid of the... uh, the TV, she was like, oh my God, my son thinks He-Man is the bomb. So, you know, she, she got rid of the, the TV and the VCR and all that stuff. Um, so, I, I, my, my, my parents, there, there was a, you know, a, a theater that they took us to go see Top Gun. And I remember, I, that was the first time I remember seeing it. And of course, the make-out scene, my mom was like, you better be closing your eyes, Doug. You know, and... Um, I wasn't because I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing, you know. So uh, um, where was I? Oh, yeah, but Top Gun, ever since then, you know, just I, I've always, I, I found out later, you know, my mom, I, I remember we were driving home and she told me, she goes, Doug, you know, um, she goes, You're, you were almost named Maverick. I was like, shut up. Don't kid around with me. She's like, no, seriously, there was, a, there was an old movie that came out um, that was remade uh, uh, later, um, but it, it, it was called Maverick, and um, the version you guys would know probably is one with Mel Gibson, uh, but it, it was a remake of an older film, and my mom, she just loved that movie just tremendously, and she wanted to name me Maverick, and I was like, oh my God, that would be so amazing, you know, because I just saw Top Gun, and his name's Maverick, and um, I always wanted that name. But I got stuck with Orville. Uh, I mean, just think about it. You're walking into school for the first time. You're walking into school for the first time. And, and you know, the teacher, you know, I, I was really underweight. Uh, and everybody picked on me. So I, I was always really stressed about that. And so how would you like to walk into the room and the teacher's like, Maverick. Is Maverick McKinnis in the room? You know, that... All the bullies would just be like, whoa, don't mess with that guy. He's got a goose somewhere around here. Talk to me, goose. You know, uh, he's got a goose somewhere around here. No, my teachers were like, Orville, is Orville McKinnis here? You know, and I'm like, I told you, my name is Doug. All right, Orville. So you're acknowledging you're here, you know, and it's like ever since then I got stuck with this name Orville. But the reason why I love Top Gun, Top Gun is hands down my favorite movie of all time. If anybody knows me, I am all about movies. I bring movies with me when I go traveling. I have like 30 movies on my laptop. I'm not going to tell you whether they're illegally downloaded or not. You guys can just make it up and let God decide for you. I carry movies in the back of my trunk wherever I go. I love movies. I think it's my escape from reality. I think movies are just great. But I'm into action movies. Anybody into action movies in this place? Now, ladies, I'm not taught. If you think Twilight is an action movie, 
we're gonna, we'll talk about twilight later. You guys want to talk about twilight sometime during this week? No, Oregon is not twilight? I mean, he's like right down the street from you guys. That's amazing. You know, Washington, that's just great, you know? Um, but uh, my wife, she's all into twilight, and I told her I'd talk about twilight. So, um, uh, just turn it down a little bit, guys, because I'm going to start rocking out with you guys here. Um, anyway, I, 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 I wanted to be Maverick so bad because he was super dangerous. He was just incredibly dangerous. I mean, everything he did was just like cutting edge. You know, he, he didn't take anything from, you know, this is in the military, man. This is like where they put you in prison if you fart and line up, you know, or something. But he really didn't care. He was just, he was just, he was gangster about those planes. He was just really dangerous and nobody could stand up to him. No one could tell him anything. He just loved being dangerous. This message I'm going to be speaking to you guys today. I, I have never preached this message. It's a message I put together a long time ago, about two years ago. And uh, I just came back from a conference that the theme was called Dangerous. And as I was studying this, uh, you know, as, as I was preparing for this conference and getting ready, this sermon came at me, this message came at me. And I, I want you guys to know something. Throughout the next four days, throughout the next four days, one thing I will promise you guys, I will never preach a message in these next four days that has not radically in some way changed my life. Because if it hasn't changed my life, it's not going to change yours. It'll be a great message, and you guys will take some really great notes, like Pastor G said, and you guys will go home, and it'll be great, and you'll say, oh, he was funny, and he, you know, he said some really good stuff, but it's not going to change your life. And I promise you this one thing, I will never preach a message to you guys that has not first radically in some, like I said, this sermon has sat in my folder for two months. And as I was studying my, you know, um, the conference I just came back from, as I was reading this message, this idea of turning point just kept coming to me over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you, I'm super excited to be here. You guys super excited to be here? I, I have, I'm seriously, guys, I have been jazzed and amped for like, I can't even begin to tell you how long. It's just been really crazy, and we're going to have a really great time tonight. And I felt like I got to get this message out on the first day. As I was upstairs, and I was kind of, Lord, what do you want me, you know, do you really want me to do this sermon first? And I just felt like God was telling me, yes. Um, by the way, this is the iPad. Uh, just, I thought I'd shout it out. <laughs> Let me turn the auto lock off here so it don't turn off while I'm preaching. Here we go, guys. Go ahead, put that first slide up. My message is called Five Elements to Become the Most Dangerous Person in the Room. And the, I, I want you to understand something. God wants dangerous people. He wants you guys to become something more than you guys have ever dreamt of ever becoming. The reason why I like Top Gun is because he starts out second best. He starts out second best and even in the end of the movie... Even in the end of the movie, he doesn't win first place. Some other guy does, Ice, Val Kimler, when he was actually, you know, 130 pounds. You know, not Val Kimler now, you know, 300 and something pounds. You know, and still making action movies. You know, it's just, that's just wrong, buddy. You know, just make a documentary or a drama or something, you know. Stop making action movies and taking your shirt off. It's just wrong. Now, um, uh, 
You know, Val Kindler, he wins first place. And, but there's one thing that cannot be denied. At the end of this movie, Maverick comes out on top. He comes out on top because he is the risk taker. He's somebody who saw an opportunity and he turned the situation around. My favorite scene is he's, he's flying. The enemy is shooting at him. There's danger on all sides and his, his friend, his partner, you know, his wingman is, is about to be blown to bits. Val Kimler, Iceman, he's about to be blown to bits and, and he freezes up. And there's this, there's this decision he has to make. Do I, do I live in fear or do I turn the situation around? Do I, do I, am I going to be crippled by my mistakes? Am I going to be crippled by my choices and my decisions? Or am I going to turn the situation around? So my, my commission, my, my, my message today is going to be to you young people. Let's turn the situation around. Let's turn the circumstance. Let's not be crippled by fear. Let's not be crippled by our bad choices and our mistakes at times. I tell people this all the time. They get saved and they're like, man, I'm so pumped to be saved. And I'm always a joy kill. Because I'll say, God, I'm super excited for you, but you're going to make your biggest mistakes being saved. And they're like, what? You're going to make your biggest mistakes being saved. But you know what? You know what's so incredible about God? Is when you got God, you're never alone, even in the bad decisions. Even in the bad mistakes. He's right there with his hand out saying, Let's get up and do this again. You know what I love about God too? Is he doesn't make us start from the beginning. You guys ever play that game? Sorry. I mean, I know you guys are all into the you know video games. My wife, she's into board games. I hate board games with a passion. Because I lose. The element of probability is just, is just gone. So I like games that, like video games, I like iPad games. Because they're computer programs. Meaning there's only so many probable choices. There's only so many probable. You know, I, I win at solitary, solitaire all the time. People are freaked out. They're like, how do you win on the first try? I'm like, it's a video game. Now if it was a card game, that'd be a different story. I, I have to go through the deck like 10 times before I win. But on a video game, there's only so many probable choices. There's only so many probable mistakes. My wife, she loves board games. And one game my mom used to play at her house was Sorry. And the reason why I hate Sorry is because when you lose, you got to go all the way back to the beginning. And I would get so mad. I finally just like, boom, and chuck all the pieces. And she's like, and just walk out, of the, walk out of the room. So I don't play board games. Where was I going with board games? I have no idea. Let's get on with this. Hey, whoa, that's wicked cool. That's going to go home with me at some point in this service. I'm going to just roll it up and take it home with me. The five elements to become the most dangerous person in the room. You guys ready for this? Number one. Let's get into this. Number one. Go to that first slide. Number one, you've got to be courageous in your calling. You've got to be courageous in your calling. How many people are saved in this place? Blood-bought, 
by Jesus Christ. Anybody in this place? Oh, come on, man. If you're not, you will be, I promise, at some point tonight. Because it, it just... God, God's here. Do you guys just feel God here? That worship was incredible. That's just awesome worship. Great worship team. I think these are the guys up here. You guys are just awesome. Now listen to this. You've got to be courageous in your calling. Let me tell you something. The world you live in, I don't care if you're in elementary school. I don't care if you're in high school or college. The world you live in is dying for a leader. They are desperately seeking a leader. Let me give you an example. Everybody thinks they're an individual. Who's an individual in this place? Let me see. Any individuals in this place? Where's that guy with the crazy hair? He had just like wild monkey hair. Not you. Where's he at? I'm blind as a bat. There you are. Dude, stand up. Stand up. Everybody just stand up and wave to him and just like this is the. All right, y'all shut up now. Sit down. Now look at this. No, stand up. Where are you going? Now look at this. I am sure he pegs himself as an individual. Not to knock you or anything, man. You, you are an individual. But I'm sure he pegs himself as an individual. I mean, look at the cutoff t-shirt, the messed up jeans. I think, are those the same shoes? Or are they two different shoes? Okay. They're the same shoes. Okay. But different laces. There we go. You know, he's an individual. But you know what's amazing is I was in Hot Topic today and I saw that same exact outfit on a dummy. Not, not a dummy dummy, but just a mannequin. There, I'm sorry. I'm going to use the proper plastic human being name. Go ahead, sit down. I saw it on a mannequin. And they're selling cutoff shorts for $40. Just like that. Holes everywhere. I mean, he probably did that himself. Just for fun. We live in a world that says, I am an individual, but yet we get our ideas of how we dress and, how, and, and what music we listen to from the movies we watch, the magazines we read. We walk in a store, we see something on, 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 a, on a, we see a picture, we see, anybody do this? You walk into a store, I, I, what, my favorite store, I don't know if you guys know what it is, but my favorite store in California is called Urban Outfitters. It's my favorite store on the planet. Um, you guys need to get one here in Oregon because I'm like going with, through with urban, without, urban Outfitters withdrawal right now. But when I walk into Urban Outfitters, I have no sense of style or fashion. You can ask my wife. I'm colorblind. And really, I am. I'm colorblind. I don't know what shirt I'm wearing at times. You know, I'm walking out, you know, and she's like, you don't even match. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm an individual, you know. And... Uh, The first thing I do when I walk into Urban Outfitters is I grab the magazine. I grab the magazine and I flip to the guy's side to see what's in style right now. And then I go and buy that. There's even times where I'm I'm like, I'm in such a hurry. I grab a worker and I'm like, you see that picture right there? I want that. Those pants, that shirt, that overshirt, the hat. I want that picture. I want to be that picture. Go make that happen. You know, and then they'll go get it and they're like, here you go, sir. And I'm like, I'm out. And then, you know, 10 minutes, my wife, she goes in. My wife's here. I love my wife. <laughs> my wife is the hottest girl on the planet. She's, she's gorgeous. Um, but I, I, I can't shop with my wife. I'll tell you why. Because if we go shopping, she may, if she grabs one shirt, I'm like, okay, no problem. I, I can handle one shirt in the dressing room. But if she goes in with more than one, she goes in with two, 
I'm looking at least 30, 40 minutes of her in the dressing room. Now, if she goes in with five, you might as well just go shopping by yourself and just come back in an hour and a half. And what's amazing is nothing is in the basket. I'm like, you just spent like 40 minutes in there and you're not going to buy anything? No, it didn't look right. And it took you 40 minutes? Me, I just look at it. Someone asked me, aren't you going to try that on? I'm like, no, why? I'll just, I'll just put it on and just go. But I want to share something with you tonight. God is calling you tonight. God is calling you to do things beyond your wildest imagination. Let me share this scripture with you. Go to that next slide. It says this. Peter is, is instructing the church. He's saying to make your calling or your salvation, to make your salvation and election or your chosen, being a chosen generation, a sure thing. For if you do this, you, I love this, you will never fall. Now that's, a, that's pretty presumptuous. Peter is basically saying that if you make your salvation and you make the fact that God has called you to be a chosen generation, you will never fall. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever been in a situation where you're not sure about church, you're not sure about Jesus, you're not sure about all this stuff? It's okay to be honest, because I, I went through it for many, many years. I was never really sure, like, okay, hanging out with my friends was a cool thing. Church was a boring thing. At least the church I was attending. You know, it wasn't until I got in touch with God that I realized that every service was dynamic. Every service was powerful. Every service was filled with God. It was only when I, w- I wanted to do other things. You see, when we're saved and we're living a lifestyle outside of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You're not making... Put that scripture back up because I'll, I'll just... I'll go blank here in about 10 seconds. Um, when you live a lifestyle... You're saying you're a Christian, but yet on the outside, your life does not present that. Meaning, you commit murder. What? Yeah, you commit murder. The Bible says, yeah, and you may not have grabbed a gun or, or a knife, but the Bible says that if you speak illly about anybody on the planet, you've committed murder. You may not have pointed a gun, you may have not had a knife, but if you speak illly about anybody, if you speak a bad word against anybody, and check this out, Jesus doesn't sit down and say, okay, boys, here it is, man. If they wrong you, if they abuse you, if they hurt you, if they make fun of you, if they're glaring at your chica, if they're glaring at your chico, then yeah, it's okay to talk bad. No, Jesus says anybody. He says anyone. And Jesus doesn't sit down and make all these stipulations and say, You know, if they've done this, then it's okay. But he says, anybody, if you speak illly about anybody, you have just committed murder. There are several things that we do every day with no thought whatsoever. And what we're showing the world is my relationship with Jesus happens within these four walls. My relationship happens when the worship team gets up. My relationship with God happens when, we're, when I'm in Bible camp. My, my relationship happens with Jesus. But when school starts, I'm somebody completely different. 
I think differently. Yeah, you may not do bad stuff. I was a good kid. I never did drugs. I never had sex before I was married. I, 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 I never drank alcohol. I, I, I never did anything like that. But yet I was one evil little dude. You ask any of my friends, I was evil. I would talk, I would talk about people to the point to, that just cripples people. I had an ability in that. I used, I used what God had given me to hurt people and do very bad things. When we live a life outside of what God wants to do with you, what we are doing is we are saying, I'm not so sure about my salvation. I don't think I'm really a chosen generation. Let me tell you something, because when you believe those things, when you believe you're saved, and not only that, but you are a chosen generation, I, I, let me tell you something, you are, you're about to become the most dangerous person in the room. You're about to become the most dangerous person in the room. This is the first element to become just incredibly crazy dangerous. Let me tell you how Jesus was dangerous. Let's let's take it back even further. Do you know that there was a guy, his name was Elijah, that one day he wakes up and he's like, oh, everybody, I know this is going to sound weird, but anybody wake up and you just got to take a massive morning dump? (laughs) Danny, I know. One morning, he wakes up. One morning, he wakes up. He's got to take a massive morning dump. (laughs) Now, check this out. After he's finished, you know, he's like, he's refreshed. He's ready for the day. Totally pumped. And he's like, all right, God, what are we going to do today? God's all, I want you to eat your dump. What? I want, I, want, I want you to eat that. And he did. That's dangerous. But Elijah was insane. There was this other guy. His name was John the Baptist. Listen to this. You know, I know he's a cool DC talk song, you know, about John the Baptist and Jesus freak. But I, I'm going to bring out something even further. The Bible says that he wore camel's hair. He didn't wear regular traditional clothes. He wore camel's hair. Now, what's the big deal with camel's hair? What's the the big deal? The problem is, is the book of Deuteronomy, it was forbidden for a Jew to wear camel hair. Forbidden. Basically, what he was telling the religious people is your law means nothing to me. I got a new law from God. The Bible says he ate grasshoppers for lunch. He ate grasshoppers. In the book of Leviticus, it is forbidden to put grasshoppers in your mouth, to put locusts in your mouth, for completely forbidden. What he was telling the religious people is God sustains me. Your practices, your religious traditions, those do not sustain, sustain, sustain people. God sustains me. I eat what God tells me to eat. Problem is, we got too many picky Christians in here. You know, God's calling you to do great things, but you're picky. You're walking. I I heard this testimony from, I got two testimonies I want to share with you. First testimony, just heard it. A young man saying that he was walking to school. He saw this lady just sitting there. She was crying and she was just weeping. 
And he went to go pray. With, he, God was telling him, pray for her, pray for her. But he was too interested about his friends who were meeting him at the same bus stop. He was too interested at the people who were waiting for him. He thought more of them than he did of what God was telling him. And he says, he goes, Doug, I walked right past her. I walked right past her. 30 seconds later, when the bus was coming around the corner, she jumped in front of the bus and killed herself. Committed suicide no sooner than 30 seconds as he passed her. Killed herself. Another story, young lady. I was at a church preaching a very similar message about getting out and just doing what God is telling you to do. She's out in the mall, out in the mall in... She sees this young lady just sitting at the, at the entrance of, of, of this mall. She, she felt like God told her, I want you to go into, go into Vans and buy this girl a t-shirt. She's all, but God, I'm here to buy myself a t-shirt. No, I want you to buy this young lady a t-shirt. And she says she battled with it. She's in Vans. She's trying to put something. She goes, Doug, first of all, I couldn't find anything I wanted to wear. She goes, which is weird for me. She goes, nothing looked right, nothing looked good, and just God was just nagging me to buy this young lady a shirt. So she says that she finally just grabbed a shirt and she was going to buy it for herself, and she just felt like God was saying, and she angrily threw the shirt back, went and grabbed a shirt for this girl, paid for it, walked out there, and she told this young lady, she goes, I know this is going to sound so weird. She goes, but I'm a Christian, and I believe God just told me to buy you a shirt. She goes, so here you go. This young lady just broke down, just bawling her head off. And she says, I, I myself am a Christian. I ran away from home. I got pregnant, I got an abortion, and I ran away from home out of shame. Her parents are political leaders in our city. Her parents are political leaders in our city, and she was too shamed to go home dirty the way she was and she prayed that morning God if I just had a new shirt I'd go home so this woman's mom this young lady's mom pulls up and she's like can we take her home and she witnessed not only this girl coming back to salvation coming back to God coming back to the love of Jesus Christ but she saw a family restored here's the thing you have no idea what God wants to do with you when you make your calling, your salvation, when you make your election, the fact that you are a chosen generation, a sure thing. You have no idea the places and the things you will see. You will become one of the most dangerous people in the room. Amen? Element two. We have to be engaged in culture. For the next four days, everything that I'm going I'm to talk about is going to be summed up into these five things. We got to be engaged in culture. To become the most dangerous person in the room, we must realize that we are surrounded by culture. You guys believe that you guys are surrounded by the culture of this world? Just look at you guys. You guys didn't come in here looking like monks. Some of you girls were in that bathroom for like two hours. No, nobody? Wow. Oregon, you guys got it down, man. You did? Yeah, that's, that's good, man. I, I did too. I do too. 
I, I feel, you know, bad for uh, G and his wife because I was, I was in the bathroom primping, you know, just like. Mm. Now, we are surrounded by this culture. We're surrounded by the culture. So many people, I, I, I grew up, I grew up in, a, um, in church and I grew up in conferences. I grew up literally just all this religious stuff. And all the time I always heard the culture is the enemy. Culture is the enemy. Stay away from it. Get away from culture. Until one day I realized I can't fight culture. Culture is happening all around us. It's right here in this church. I walk in here and wow. The culture is coming to the church. That's an awesome, awesome thing. Somebody from the street's going to walk in here and they're going to get a deep sense that this is me. This is where I belong. Some of you guys are in this church because you've got a deep sense of that. This is where I belong. That somehow, gee, somehow um, uh, Master's Commission, somehow s- some organization, some group here in this church did something that made you feel like this is me. This is where I belong. We got to be engaged in the culture. We must realize a dangerous person realizes that culture is not our enemy. It is just culture. It is how we structure things that we do to reach people. What I want you guys to begin to start doing is start getting clever. Start getting creative how you're going to reach your friends. Start thinking about, start using your Facebook account instead of taking pictures of yourself in the bathroom. A youth pastor, a youth pastor friend of mine said this just at the last conference. That girls, that is not hot. Some of you guys are taking a picture and the toilet is right behind you. Guys do not want to envision a girl in the bathroom taking a picture of herself because we know what you just did in there. And probably the funk is in the room while you're doing the picture. That is not attractive. That is not hot. Stop using your Facebook to put people on blast. Just because you're not using your words doesn't mean you're still not committing murder. Anybody got Twitter? All right. 140 words to minister to people's lives. Stop talking about what mood you're in and start talking about who brings joy in your life. Stop using Facebook to hook up. That's the most retarded thing on the planet. How did you guys meet? Facebook. I told this one girl, man, I'm so glad she broke up with this dude. He flew down and everything to see her. I'm like, so how'd you guys meet? You know, you live way over there. Facebook. I pulled her aside. I go, girl, listen to me. There is a reason why he's on Facebook. And he's trying to hook up on Facebook. Because no girl in their right mind would be with him. So he's got to sell you something. Like, get rid of this dude. Start using everything in this world to reach lost people. 
instead of saying, I hate this school, start viewing it like a mission field. You know how many missionaries I know that actually hate being there? Tons. They didn't want to be there. Their heart goes for people, but they don't like the heat. They don't like the governments. They don't like the fact that, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have to do church underground. But they're doing it because they love people. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When you are engaged in culture, you are telling people, I love you right from where you are. You know what church has really become? I, I've traveled to a lot of churches. Let me tell you something, what I see in churches nowadays. We hear churches say... We, you know, we, we, uh, we accept you just the way you are, but we cannot tolerate who you are. They say we accept you, but we just can't tolerate you. My heart is grieved, broken. We view culture like it's the enemy, but when all, when, when, when all it is, is just culture. And we we got we to begin to reach out and begin to make impact with this world. Get creative on how you're going to reach. You know, one, one amazing young lady that, that we, we had in our youth ministry. Never forget her. name was Leslie. Leslie Rodriguez. Tremendous, tremendous young lady. She started. She got saved. She was attending a school. She came to me one day and she says, Doug, how can I get something started in my school for Jesus Christ? And I said, well, I don't know because I don't know your school. You know your school. You tell me what you can do. Her school's big into athletics, real big. So she, she started in a, 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 a kind of like a fellowship for Christian athletes, but her own thing. Because FCA was not welcome at their school because they started telling Muslims and all sorts of other different denominations that they were going to hell. And these kids were going home and telling their parents, you guys are going to hell. So the school didn't like that when all this flood of parents were coming in. Why, why are you guys telling us that we're going to hell? You guys are going to hell. You know, and then just, so they didn't allow a Christian organization to ever come into that school ever again. They said, no, never again. But a student can start a club, and she did. One service, she asked me, she goes, do you think you could come to my school tomorrow? She's like, I got something I want to show you. I said, well, yeah, sure. If they'll let me on. I walk in to her class right before bell rings in the morning. She told me to just look out the window. There was these big bay windows that overlooked the, the quad, the campus. When that bell rang, I literally saw an entire school of young people drop to their knees and pray for 30 seconds. There were literally thousands of kids who may not even have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they saw the impact that Jesus Christ made in this young lady and they wanted a piece of that. And she said, pray, just drop to your knees and pray and God will give it to you. I saw literally thousands of kids just in a drop of a hat, just boom, drop to their knees and pray. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. The principal was so touched by this impact that this young lady made. Was so touched. He said, who did this to you? 
And she said, Jesus Christ. He goes, I understand that. But I want to know the person who got you like this. And she says, my pastor. He said, can you get him in here two times a week ministering to teachers and young people alike? She says, I know he'll come. And me and my wife for a year went every day, two times a week, ministering. We saw, we literally could, we went from a, we went from a, um, a classroom that only fit a hundred kids. And within a matter of just a few months, we had to do it in the gym during lunchtime. They had to bring the lunch carts out to the gym because we were packing the gym out every Tuesday and Thursday, ministering to young people. Tragedy happened in my life and I, I had to quit. I had to pull back from doing that. A year went by. My wife just graduated from, from, um, get, from being a teacher, but she couldn't find a job. We were really stressed on how we were going to make this work. It was during Christmas time. We're on our way to a, a leader's Christmas banquet. We're parked out in front of my parents' house and we're both stressed about it. All of a sudden, the phone rang. My wife picked it up. It was the principal of that school. And he remembered my wife from a year ago when we came down there and did that. And he said, do you need a job? Because I remember the impact you guys made. Let's see if we could do that with you on staff. Let's see if we could get that same kind of impact every single day of these kids' lives. He's not even a Christian, folks. He's not even Christian, but this is what happens when you begin to look at the world around you and you begin to say, man, I can do this. I know sometimes we think we're, we're too small to make a big impact. This girl, I promise you, is four foot nothing. She's small, still is to this day. And I remember when she told me, she's like, Doug, I'm too small. I'm too insignificant. And I said, you know, no, 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 no. I told her, what are the odds of a small religion, of a small religion that was some knockoff? Jesus' religion was a knockoff of Judaism. What are the chances of this small religion that is a knockoff of another religion to make the kind of impact it did? The Romans tried to wipe out Christianity with martyrism. But what they didn't realize is every person they killed, the people's faith grew ten times stronger. Every person they killed for Jesus, every person that they killed in the name of Jesus Christ, just made the church grow larger and larger and larger and larger. Now, go to that same country. Go to that a friend of mine. He, he made this tremendous revelation. He said, Doug, I went to Rome. He goes, I saw the Colosseums where they killed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians. Of all the Christians Rome killed, 47% of them were documented young people. 47% of the Christian martyrs in Jesus' day, we're below the age of 25. 47%. Can you guys get a picture of that? 47% of them were all under the age of 25. 
That is your generation. He goes, Doug, you know what? You got to go to Rome sometime. He goes, because it's the most exciting thing. And he just went, he went like this. He goes, because everywhere you go, there's a cross. Every street corner you turn, there's a cross. He goes, you can't walk down the street without running into a church. You can't walk down the street without running into someone with a, with a, with a, with a cross hanging down on them. What are the odds? Jesus' tiny little band of 12 men changed an entire nation's culture. You have no idea what your impact could make in your high school. You have no idea what your impact can make in your family. You think you're so small, but remember, Jesus' 12, band, 12 men changed an entire nation's culture. The same people that they killed, Peter, Luke, John, Paul, have churches in their, in their country named after those men. You have no idea what your impact could make in this world. Amen? Let's move on. Should we impact? Should we impact the culture? This is my commission. Jesus said this. Go to, go to, that, go to that scripture. Uh, I believe it's the next slide. Go to that next slide. Jesus says this. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Why would Jesus call you the salt of the earth? I'll tell you right now. Because I, I know it. So I'll just save you guys the time. Back in the day, they had no preservation for meat. None whatsoever. There was no refrigerators. There was no way to keep meat. So what they did is they covered it in salt to preserve it. And then they buried this really big hole. They would get down to where it was cool and they would place the meat there. That salt was to keep the meat from rotting. So when God says you are the salt of the earth, what he's saying is your job is to keep your friends from rotting. Your job is to keep your family from rotting. Your job is to keep your, your community of relationships from rotting. When Jesus entered the world, it was a horrible, horrible time, folks. I know the, the, I know the, the, you know, the Bible when you're reading it. Oh, it sounds so like it was just a rough time. No, it was a horrible time. It was a time when a king can sign a piece of paper and he could kill every baby in his nation. Could you imagine right now? We got, we got some young kids in this room. Some babies. My son is running around like a wild man. Sit down. Doug, sit down. Could you imagine... Just guards marching in here right now and snagging every baby and killing it right there in front of us because somebody signed a piece of paper that said they could. This was a horrible time. This was a time when your friends who wanted a little bit of popularity joined the ranks of becoming a tax collector. Now, you may, not, you may not understand what that means, but it was a big deal back then. Do me a favor. Do you stand up right there? Yep, you stand up right there. You stand up. Come over. Stand over next to him. You stand up, dude. You're going to be my mean dude right now. You just look mean. You're, you're going to be a dad. I, I know it's horrible. He's a teen father, you know, and this is your daughter, you know. <laughs> what the? When did that happen? Now, look at this. He's the tax collector. 
Do you have a wallet or anything on you? No. You're going to take his hat, okay? All right. He's a hat maker. He's going to walk up. So walk up. He's going to walk up and he's going to say, just repeat after me. You ready for this? Yeah. I know it's summer and you, you know, brain cells are dead. So, you know, just repeat after me. Just say, dude. Dude. Where's my money? Where's my money? Give me my money, fool. Give me my money, fool. <laughs> he's like, you say, I'm flat broke. I'm flat broke. I got to take care of this girl. I got to take care of my she baby. She keeps shopping at Urban Outfitters. <laughs> she keeps shopping at them places. Dude, you're supposed to be repeating after me, not making up your own script. I hate it when actors do that. Is this horrible? You know, I'm beefing up the banter there. Shut up, dude. Just repeat after my, my baby girl. My baby girl. She, she keeps shopping at Urban Outfitters. She keeps shopping at Urban Outfitters. And it's costing me a dime. Cost me a dime. So I'm flat broke. So I'm flat broke. So he takes your hat. Take his hat. No hats in church anyway. Now check this out. He leaves. Get out of here. He leaves. He lost his ability to make hats. The next year rolls around. He comes back. Where is hat? Do you, you don't have like beel holes or anything, do you? Okay. Now, just with that hair, dude, you could be hiding in there. Now look at this. He comes back next year. And he's like, where's my money? Where's my money? Give me my money, fool. Give me my money, fool. He's like, you took my hat. You say it. You, you took my hat. You got to say it like that. You got to say it like this. You took my hat. You took my hat. Okay. You're not done with puberty yet, dude. It shouldn't be that hard. You know? He took my hat. You took my hat. Okay. I don't have your money. I don't have your money. So what do you do? You take his daughter. And you know what he does? Because he has to make a profit. He has to walk away with money. He uses her as a sex slave to Roman officials. Go ahead, sit down. You can sit down. Give him his hat back, dude. That's just messed up. You can sit down. Now look at this. He's got to roll a profit. Because he's not walking away empty-handed. So he sells her as a sex slave to Roman officials to make his money. She becomes a prostitute overnight. This was the time that Jesus entered. This was the time that Jesus decided to come into the world. This was the time. And what better time? Let me tell you why. Because these people... No longer was there hope in a church building. No longer was there hope in some worship song. No no longer was there hope in some message. They were desperately seeking something different than what people were shoveling in those days. You couldn't even get forgiveness for your sins if you didn't have the right kind of money. One day Jesus walks into church and there's people selling forgiveness. And if you, if you couldn't buy it, if you couldn't afford it, then you couldn't get your, your forgiveness for your sins. You couldn't make a sin offering. And Jesus overturns the tables. He's so upset. He's so angry. What better time for Jesus to come? Let me tell you something, folks. What better time for you to engage this culture? Do you know that sex trafficking has never been higher in this world ever in the history of the earth, it's higher nowadays. 
It's higher nowadays than any other time. Injustice is literally sweeping the earth. Yeah, drugs are down. Alcohol is down. Teen pregnancy is down. But yet slavery is still, it's never been higher. Just because it's not happening in America doesn't mean that we've turned a blind eye and it's happening across the sea. It's never been higher in the history of the world. What better time for us to bring a message of faith, hope, and love? What better time for us to begin to use this culture for Jesus Christ? To begin to use your friend's circumstances, to begin to use the, the, the technology and all this stuff to begin to make an impact in this world. Should we impact culture? Yes. Because you guys are responsible from keeping this world from rotting. As long as there are Christians, not in a church building, who are making a stand out there, they're the ones keeping the earth from rotting. They are the light of this world. Next, go, go, go to um, element three. Next, I'm, I'm getting done right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be done here right now. Element three. You want a turning point? Here's your turning point. Get passionate about God. I mean, get crazy, madly, psycho girlfriend passionate about God. Anybody know any crazy chicas? What are you doing? Where are you at? What's going on? They're on Facebook. 100 messages in a matter of five minutes. They're blowing up your mailbox. They're on Twitter. Where are you at? What's going on? And the guy texts, Who are you? I was walking in math class and I stopped by your desk and you looked at me. Who are you? Anybody know any psycho chicas? You go on one date with them. And after the date, are you home? No, I'm hanging out with my friends. Are there girls? I can smell a girl from here. Girls are willing to get in a fight over boys. I like the way guys handle things. Did you look at my girl? Yeah? She's hot, huh? Yeah. Solved. Girls. 180 degrees different. Did you look at my man? What are you talking about? You looked at him, I know you did. The guy farted and tried to blame it on you. And you think he's yours because he, he looked at you like... You think he's yours. We got to get that crazy about God. He consumes every thought. 
You know, we're, we're singing this song, you know, uh, uh, not How Great Is Our God. What song? Our God is greater. Such a passionate song, isn't it? Yeah. You cannot listen to that song without just wanting to, like, headbutt the wall or something, you know? Like, yeah. yes! When I heard them playing it, I, just, I wanted to break something. I don't know why. That when, every time when I hear that song, I just want to, like, do something bodily damage to myself. That's like my Top Gun song, you know, for church. You know, when you watch Top Gun, it's Highway to the Danger Zone. In church, it's Our God is Greater. You know, you're just like, yeah, let's preach right now. You know, you just just get psycho about it. David says this about his passion for God in the book of Psalms. He says, Will I just sing my song in temple? He says, no way. I'm taking my song to Main Street. I'm taking my song and I will stand on the corner of Main Street and I will tell people, my God is greater. My God is stronger. My God is higher than any other. My God is awesome in power. My God is healer. That's where I will sing my praise. See, anybody can get passionate for God in church. Why? Because it's rigged for that. We purposely, as ministers, as pastors, as youth ministers, we purposely do that. So that you enter an atmosphere that says, Whoo, I want to get passionate about God. Anybody can get passionate in a church building. But can we be just as passionate in a Starbucks And I'm not talking about you got to jump on a bench and tell everybody they're going to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. That you begin to intentionally do things on purpose to get somebody to talk to you. A friend of mine said that he got two guys saved. He was in Starbucks. Got two guys saved in Starbucks. Huge line. Rush of the morning. And he did this on purpose. He waited in line. Got all the way to the front. Told the waitress, can you hold on a second? Went and grabbed two guys from the back and brought them to the front. And he took their place in the back. The two guys, after they got their coffee, he didn't tell them about Jesus Christ. He didn't do anything like that. That's all he did. The two guys got their coffee and came up to him and they said, why did you do that? He goes, because Jesus did it for you. Because Jesus could have walked in first. He could, have, he could have stayed in heaven, but he came from heaven to earth so that you can be in first place. Jesus says it himself, whoever is first becomes last and whoever is last becomes first. You see, guys, we were last place and Jesus left first place so that we could become first place. I'm, what I'm saying is that you intentionally start doing things to get people to start talking. You intentionally start doing things. One of, a, a great story that I, that I have of a, just of a young man who's on a football team. Anybody play football in here? He's on a football team. And before the game, he just knelt down and prayed. And he did this every game. What's amazing is now he's, assisted, he's assisting, he's an assistant coach at that high school. And now the entire team, before they play, get down on their knees and pray to one God. Unified together. 
You intentionally start doing things to get people to talk because that's what shows passion. Let me tell you something. Girls, when guys get passionate about you, I hear it all the time. Pastor Doug, how do I know he loves me? I say, first of all, he becomes a poet. What? Yeah. When guys are actually in love with a girl, they start spouting poetry. Whether they download it or they make it up themselves and it makes no sense. They start talking about how beautiful you are compared to the sun. That standing next to the sun, you're more brilliant. Disregarding the fact that if you stood next to the sun, you'd burn up. (laughs) Guys start spouting poetry. And I said, if you want to know if a guy's really in love with you, he'll call you all the time. You won't be able to shut him up because he's just that into you. You guys ever see that movie? I haven't, but my wife told me about it. (laughs) She said, there's this quote, and I I use it everywhere. She said this, in the film, the lady tells this young, this other girl, you want to know he's into you? He'll quit his job to be near you. He'll do anything it takes to be right next to you. He'll call you. He'll want to be around you all the time because he's that into you. You know what we're telling God? Think about your relationship with God right now. What what are you telling God? Am I that into you, God? Well, Doug, I don't think it should be like that. God gives us freedom. Then why would he say, love me with everything you got? If God didn't mean it, why would he say it? I'm just going to throw this out here. You guys mind? Can I just throw something out here? I'm tired of young people coming to me. First of all, I'm in love. What? You're 10. He walked in like Jacob. It was amazing. I'm in love. I'm done asking Girls and guys, if the ones that they're in love with are they Christians, because all of a sudden the whole world is Christian. Does, is he a Christian? Oh, yeah. He goes to church and everything. What church? It's not a church of Satan. It's in San Francisco. Don't worry about it. It's got church in the name. I'm done asking that. I ask this now. Instead of asking them if they're saved or if they're Christian, I ask them, what do they want to do for God? Uh, you shouldn't even be thinking about it. Because if you have no idea what, they're, what they want to do for God, they're going to take you right down that same path where you're unsure about what you want to do for God. I'm tired of young people coming to me. I got to get a job. You're 11. I, I want to start shopping. Did you pray about it? Yeah. Did you fast about it? No, don't get the job. Stop right now, pray and fast. Ask God, what do you want me to do? Listen, you start living your life telling God, what is it you want me to do? I'm gonna tell you something, you're about to become, an ad- you're about to become a dangerous individual. 
Because God, listen to this, the Bible says God positions you. God positions you where he wants you. God is going to place you where you are going to be the most effective person. Do you realize that God wants you to be the most important person that walks in the room? He wants to do that for you. Think of it this way. My son. I want my son to be the most important person on this planet. It's my heartbeat. It's everything I want in this life. I want him to be the most important person on this planet. If it means him being a president or the next Billy Graham, whatever it is, I want him to be the most important person. Now, this is just me, an earthly father. Can you imagine what God wants for him? Could you imagine what God is looking at? And this is the way God sees you. He looks down and he sees you doing things beyond your wildest imagination. Jesus put it this way. He said, I came here with one purpose, to give life and life in the fullest. Do you know what that scripture really means? You haven't even yet begun to experience what God has for you. Because right now we're just living life. But Christ came to give life in the fullest, saying you have no idea where I'm about to take this thing. If you will just get crazy passionate about me. You ever get around girls with a new boyfriend? It's disgusting. His picture is all over their binder. If I was that guy, I would be freaked. That's some psycho-cultic stuff, man. Is she sacrificing chickens in her room for me? What's going on? They can't shut up about him. Oh, my God. The way he did his hair. Oh, my God. Guys are so awesome. This is my lady. What up, boys? And that's it. And every guy's like, whoa, that's bad. Getting passionate about God. We got to become, go to that next, uncompromising. Number four, we got to become uncompromising in our integrity. You want to be dangerous? Don't compromise. Well, Doug, you just told us to engage the culture. I didn't tell you to become the culture. I told you to reach out and touch it. Reach out and begin to pull things from it and begin to mold it for Jesus Christ. You got to be uncompromising in your integrity. Can't find it? Oh, wow. Uncompromising in your integrity. Let me share a scripture with you. Luke 9.23 through 24 says this. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Now this is what God is telling us that we can expect from him. That when we get passionate for him and we start living and uncompromising in our integrity. Is this my water? He says this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Look at this, folks. You got to let God lead. You have to let God lead. You, you, you want to become uncompromising? Let him lead. How do you let him lead? 
It's super easy. They made a wristband out of it. Made millions of dollars. (laughs) WWJD. That's how you get Jesus to lead. What would Jesus do? I know it's corny and it's cheesy, but it works. Letting Jesus lead. Is that relationship drawing you closer to God? Or is it pulling you further from... Some of you guys, after this meeting, need to get on your phones. need to make a phone call. Hey, baby. Doug just told me to break up with you. Click. (laughs) I'll fight him. I'll fight him for you. Because Danny will be there. And Danny's like 6'5 of just man, burr, fur, and ness. And I'll stand from a distance and watch as he just pummels that 110-pound baseball ab player. By the way, girls, it's easy for a 16-year-old to have abs because he has a metabolism like a jackrabbit. (laughs) For Jacob to have abs, trust me, he's not working that hard. Because <laughs> I'm 30, and I'm doing crunches every freaking night, and that, it's nothing even close to that. I have one ab. <laughs> Give God the praise in this place. <laughs> Here it is. got to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Look at this. Don't run from suffering. Some of you guys, the instant hard things come, it's like, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm done. That's not a turning point. You just did a 180 or 360. You did a 360. I'm not good at math. Sorry. (laughs) Took me some time. You want to do a 180. We're all for the 180s. Keep doing them, you know. But until they hit the 360, then you, you just know you're in a bad situation. But anyway... I don't know where I was going with that. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. And look at what he says. Embrace it. Embrace the hard times. Now, I'm not talking. You got to be like this idiot with a smile on your face. Oh, my God. I got hard times. This is so great. (laughs) But you say this. No matter how hard things get, I'm not going anywhere. I love it when young people get so committed. They're like, Doug, even if I get pumped. Punked by the devil. I'm not going anywhere. No matter what happens in my life, I am not leaving God. And they're determined. And you know how they're determined? Because they've gotten rid of anything else in their life that's going to pull them away from God. They've gotten rid of everything in their lives. Follow me. Look at it. Jesus is so awesome. He says, follow me and I'll show you how. (laughs) All you got to do is follow him and he's going to show you how to follow him. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. Lastly, and I'm ending. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. Worship team, get up here quick. I promise I'll be shorter next week, or next service. (laughs) Throw up that last one. 
or intentional about community. Here it is. Being the most important, the most dangerous person in the room is to become intentionally driven through impact. The disciples were dangerous in their community because they did everything intentionally. They did everything on purpose. Their goal was not success. Their goal was not How many people can I reach today? Their goal was not, you know, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Their goal was to see their community of relationships transformed. They were not happy unless their friends, their family members, those they minister to came to know Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. We have way too many Christians who are just satisfied going to church while family members are slipping into hell. We got too many Christian teenagers who go to school every day and all they could talk about is what this person did and what that person did rather than their hearts be broken for the people that are dying every single day without knowing Jesus Christ. we got to begin to get intentional. You want to see a major turning point in your life? Start getting intentional about your community. Start noticing the injustices. Let me share this story with you. I stopped writing my sermons in my office at my church. I just stopped. Being, being a pastor, it's very hard. Because it's your job to be with working with the church. It's your job to provide for the church. It's your job to make things happen. So I, I, I stopped writing my sermons in my office. Because I'm not making any impact in my community. So what I started doing was I started writing my sermons at Starbucks. I read in a book to do it. So I started doing it. There's a Starbucks by my church, or there used to be. It's closed down now. There was a young lady there. She's an atheist, doesn't believe in God. Touched me deeply. She one day saw me. I had my Bible and... My, my, my books were out and I was preparing and I told her I was a minister. We started chit-chatting back and forth and she had told me that she became an atheist at 12 years old. I was, I was crushed. <clears throat> my goal was not to tell her to come to my church, to hand her a flyer. I decided that every day, I, every morning, I was going to walk in and just talk to her. And maybe one day she'd be open. One day I was, came to my table and she brought me my stuff. And somebody had once told me that you need, instead of just telling people that they're going to hell and they're not living the right life, said to ask them why. So when she came and delivered my coffee, I, 
I just asked her, I go, can I ask you a personal question? And she was like, yes, what, what? I go, why are you an atheist? She goes, well, you don't want to hear my life. And I said, no, I, I really do. I'm super interested. She goes, well, can you come back at 11? And I said, yeah, I'll be back here at 11. So went about my duties and came back at 11. And we sat and we talked in Starbucks. She says, I went to church my entire life. My mom took me to church my entire life. She goes, if you ask anybody that knew me when I was 12 years old, they would tell you I was the most craziest, passionate person for Jesus Christ. She goes, I was so in love with him. Everywhere I went, I told people about Jesus Christ. She goes, I became an atheist one Sunday morning. I was in church. And she goes, and the pastor of that church held up a newspaper and said, look how great our God is. Look how awesome our God is. Look how wonderful our God is. Our God frees people. Our God, you know, uh, you know sets people free. And he began to read this story, how there was this crazy lady in their church who took a whole bunch of women on an outreach in a neighborhood. She passed this one house and she, this old lady said that there was just something wrong with this house. So she went and knocked on the door. This guy opens the door, nice looking guy. And between his, you know, 35, 40 years old, real polite. She says, sir, can I hand you a flyer for my church? He said, yes, ma'am, you may. He grabbed the flyer and she still said that when he closed the door, that something was not right with this house. So she knocked again. She says, sir, can I come in and talk with you about Jesus Christ? He says, you know what? I'm, I'm on my way out. I don't think that's going to be possible. He goes, you know, maybe if you come back later, we could talk, this and that. So he closed the door. She went on with her outreach. As they were walking back to their car, again, she just felt like there was something wrong with this house. So she knocks on the door. And this time, when the guy opened the door, she bursts in, full-blown. She jumps and she grabs the, the, the kitchen table legs and she's holding on with everything she's got and she's just screaming now what's this guy gonna do it's a little old lady there's a whole bunch of people out front of his door watching what's going on he's not gonna do anything to hurt her and she's just screaming call the cops call the cops i'm not leaving neighbors call the cops by now a huge crowd is amassed the cops show up, they're dragging her away, and all of a sudden they start hearing screaming from underneath the kitchen floor. This guy hijacked five teenage girls, brutally did messed up things to them, and his goal was to kill them that night. That pastor held up that newspaper with such pride and she goes, Doug, I became an atheist that day. She goes, because I feared my father coming home every night because I was raped by him repeatedly. Where was my justice? Where was my God? Where was my healer? Where was my, where was my captain? Where was my hero? 
These girls didn't even go to church. They were at a party. They got drunk and they picked up a hitchhiker. And I feared my father coming home every night. She goes, I became an atheist at 12 years old. There's no way there could be a God. My heart was broken into a million pieces because her next words were this. Out of all the Christians I know, including her own mother, no one has ever asked her, why are you the way you are? Everybody just looked on the outside and says, you're wrong and and you're this and you're that. No one has ever asked her, why? Get intentional about community. Community doesn't mean where you live. Community is reaching out and shaking someone's hand and saying, my name is so-and-so. You know where these people are. They're They're in the areas that you avoid all the time. They're in those parts of the school that nobody goes to. Only that particular group of people. You know where they're at. You know who they are on your street. You know who they are on your bus. You know who they are right here in this room. Will anybody reach out and ask them why? Let me tell you something. You want to get dangerous? You want to start bringing people in the masses to Jesus Christ? Get intentional about your community.